Hello, welcome to the Car Stories Podcast, brought to you by the Peterson Automotive Museum. You've been waiting for, I mean, only a week, let's be honest. You've been waiting a week uh, for part two. Numero two. The deuce. Uh, of our great SEMA special. I mean, it's pretty good. I don't know about great. It's great. It's great. Yeah. It's more than great. That's true. And as you as you can hear, uh, you, you, those are, in fact, the dulcet tones of Mr. James McKeon. He's back. Better than ever. Back from his adventures uh, abroad. And by abroad, I mean uh, celebrating his wife's birthday, like a gentleman. Anyway, so we, uh, we have quite a few interviews uh, stacked up for you here on this uh, super long, super fun, super something else uh, episode. Uh, we're bumper gonna... episode is what I would call it. Ooh. No? A like bumper it. episode. I like it. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Dave Shart, who uh, is the principal behind Forge Line Wheels. And uh, those are really nice wheels. You know? Very nice. If you've you got a race car. Or a normal car. Yeah, any kind of car. A pro touring car, especially. Anything. that They'll make you a set of wheels that'll just knock your socks off. Uh, followed uh, uh, by that, uh, or followed that, following that interview, we have uh, Mr. Steve Strope. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, uh, it's probably because he builds some of the most ridiculously awesome custom uh, uh, sort of muscle type pony Incredible cars. vehicles. Yeah, he built the uh, Martini Mustang, which uh, came out a few years ago, and I'm still obsessing over it. Uh, and that, still saving for it, I understand, too, Carl. Yeah, well, it's going to be a long, a long wait, but well, worth least, it. At least two weeks. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, he built the uh, uh, Black Ops Fairlane, which was at SEMA two years ago. And then this year, he worked with Sung Kang of Fast and or Furious fame uh, to build uh, the underdog Ford Maverick, which is pretty cool. Sure. And then after that, the uh, we had Corky Coker, who... Uh, the man? Yeah. He is the man. He is a myth. His mustache is legend. Uh, but he was on the podcast. He's a... a ridiculous uh fun amazing guy to talk to we gregarious were... one might say loquacious even mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh welcome back to the Soros talk with james and kyle uh we um we had a great conversation with him about uh the the, the fact that coker makes tires for everything um we talked about uh, the great race which they're the uh the, the people behind That's which we're awesome. looking to enter in 2017 i understand cal that's what uh, oh, Corky yeah. promised they're not even ready for us they can't even handle car stories going on the road yeah it's gonna be great you, I mean, it'll be like a cross between on the road with uh jack kerouac uh easy rider um probably and, apocalypse now and uh planes trains and automobiles oh yeah that too definitely that one definitely that uh and i will i will of course play john candy's part uh yeah so that was a fantastic conversation really really digress there uh it's a fantastic conversation corky's an amazing guy he's he's been deeply involved with the uh, automotive aftermarket since forever and uh you know he's definitely the kind of guy you want to talk to at the end of the day uh or at the start well sure even the middle in the middle any time of day or night at sema is going to be a good time to he's going to jazz you back up uh, and then last but certainly not least, we were fortunate enough to talk to Jesse Combs. Superstar. Superstar. Indeed. Uh, you probably know her from uh, Overhaulin', uh, All Girls Garage. Uh, she recently did the great race in a Persang Type 35 Bugatti replica. Uh, she's really nice. Um, she has a ton of energy, and we felt really bad because she just gets mobbed everywhere she goes at SEMA. Because she's so awesome. Yeah, uh, that one's just uh, that one just features me because by that time James had bailed. 
He bailed on our friendship. I'd left the desert. Yeah. For literal greener pastures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, but it was it was a great interview. She's a really fantastic lady. Um, we're super psyched to talk to her. It was a blast. Uh, so hopefully uh, you guys enjoy. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be back to talk to you in between the interviews. Hello and welcome to the Car Stories podcast brought to you by the Peterson Automotive Museum. Uh, my name is Kyle Hyatt. With me as always, James McKeon. There he is. As just just incredible, it never gets old. And even on day two of SEMA, fresh as a daisy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. day two. It's, it's always a little rougher than day one. <laughs> I can't wait for day four. Day Friday, where Friday was going to be pretty, pretty uh, savage. That's that's going to be that Barry White gravelly voice of yours. Uh-huh. Oh. Mm-hmm. I know. Just sucking on cough drops like they're going out of style. Anyway, so uh, uh, we are here at SEMA 2016. We are in the uh, Prestone booth in the Happy Camper Winnebago. It was built by the Ring Brothers. We've been here all week. We'll be here for the rest of the week. It's awesome. It's a 1,000 horsepower RV, basically. That's that's cool. And uh, right now, we're here with uh, Dave Shart from Forge Line Wheels. Uh, you know, Forge Line, you've probably heard of them. They make some uh, really, really incredible, just beautifully made forged wheels. Um, they're so really, both the road and the track. That's true. That's true. They're they're really popular with a lot of the guys here at SEMA, for good reason, uh, and we're really psyched to have you here, Dave. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. So, uh, how did uh, Forge Line get started? Uh, Forge Line got started. I I used to own a business called Wheel Source uh, before before Forge Line came about, and uh, we were a wheel distributor in the Midwest for uh, BBS, okay. uh, Speedline, Momo, those types of brands. And uh, we saw a need back then, that would have been early 90s, mm-hmm. for there weren't many people making custom uh, racing wheels. Uh, BBS was doing it, but they were hard to get a hold of, you know, unless you were a professional race car driver or team or something. There wasn't a lot out there. I think HRE was just starting and they were building a little bit of stuff. So we saw kind of an opportunity there sure. and uh, started Forge Line along with my brother. Okay. Um, and we made a, at, at that point, it was a just a one style and it was a Forge Center spun rim but it was a welded piece at that point okay and um how is there how have things changed you know what are, what are kind of your your big big design features that people come to forge line for now um same thing we did but most mostly mostly custom custom be able to customize it in, mm-hmm. in a million different forms we make the wheel exactly the way you want it basically any size any offset uh we have more styles than we can even put out in the booth anymore oh, wow. uh, a lot to choose from so awesome. that's that's what brings most people awesome and uh, where are you guys uh, based out of? Where? We're based out of Dayton, Ohio. Okay. And you um, do your manufacturing there? and Do all the manufacturing there. We're one of the only people that aren't on the West Coast or in Miami. So. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yep. Cool. So um, what's uh, your automotive background? How did you kind of get into the whole wheel thing? Um, that's a family story. My dad um, worked for um, General Motors, mm-hmm. um, was, was an engineer at General Motors, the Inland Division. Um, and he raced sports cars like Austin Healy's and TR3's with wire wheels. Oh, cool. And he started to rebuild wire wheels and actually had a small little business out of his garage repairing wire wheels for people across the country. Hmm. Um, at that point, and he was buying all his spokes from Dayton Wire Wheel. Sure. Uh, there in town. And he went there in like 1970, I think it was. And the doors were closed and the bank had taken position of the company that had been open since 1916. Oh, wow. Um so he kind of made a bunch of inquiries and talked with the bank and the vendors and took over the debt and took over the company. Um, and they had 
five employees, I think, at that point. We're making, you know, 10, 15 wheels a week. Wow. That's really uh, incredible. I didn't know that at all. So I I, uh, worked in the wheel plant my entire childhood. (laughs) (laughs) While my friends were out playing all summer long, I was usually out sweeping the floors or uh, ran just about every machine and everything in in the factory growing up. So that's that's where my wheel Hmm. background comes from. Nice. Nice. So then do you still do any of the work now in the in the facility that you've got do you ever get out there sketching the wheels and then saying this is where you want to go through to creating and designing wheels yeah almost all the designs are are made by recommendations from my salesman or something that i see but all the designs are are uh, are, are my designs uh, and i work with them and todd our engineer we go back and forth sure and then it. how long does it take you then to go from like if you think oh i'd really like this design or i'd like to tweak something from this set how long does it take you to go from that thought process to like going all day the way, uh, down the line so to speak it, you've it, got one it, that it, it totally varies I mean sometimes sometimes we see something or I see something and I know exactly what I want Yep. and me and Todd can talk about it and it can take a couple of days and then we have stuff that we're still working on you know three four months later okay. so there's stuff that we're working on that we wanted to get done for SEMA that it's not done because it's just not quite Right? Sure. Hey, are we ready for SEMA 2017? Yeah, that's right. There you go. So you're already yeah, we got PRI in a month, too, so we got so, another uh, yeah. opportunity. Oh, perfect. There you go. There you go. That one's a little closer to home, too. It's a, yeah, it's a much easier show for us, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I think it's funny they have they choose to have that show so late in the year in a place like Indianapolis that gets, like, snow and ice and, and things like that. Like yeah, it was in Florida. Most people like it better in Indianapolis. We like it, I guess, because it's close to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, right, you, you know, why? I, I didn't I didn't mind, li- you know, living in Ohio, I didn't mind going to Florida in December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what are what are some of your biggest kind of sellers as far as application goes? Like who's who's buying your wheels? Um, still, uh, it used to be pretty much one hundred percent motorsport, but pa- over the past about twenty years, it's been fifty 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 percent motorsport. We continue to think that the street side is going to take over because there's more opportunity on sure. the street side, on, you know, more customers. But the motorsport program seems to just continue to grow, so it's almost still fifty percent. Wow, that's inc- that's yeah. really incredible. So, what what about the um, uh, like what 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 kind of teams are running your you know, like what series are you guys running um, currently? A lot of World Challenge, uh, IMSA, Sports Car, NASA, just about any racer you see out there. Were just uh, just yesterday, Ford unveiled their GT4 Mustang, mm-hmm. um, and it's coming with forged lines from the factory. So we're proud proud of that. Yeah, they're really doing some interesting interesting stuff. Going to the aftermarket for you know production wheels like the. Um, the GT350R that with the carbon rev wheels right. on it and stuff like it's it's a pretty bold move for a company like Ford to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. And then do you see any difference between the two segments in the market as what the those buyers are looking for? Is there any difference or is it they really just want that quality and the lightweightness that comes with it? Yeah, quality and the lightweightness and what we feel differentiates us is the fact that that a lot of people can make a lightweight wheel, but to take a lightweight wheel and not have to be able to take it to a driver's school or take it to, to on the racetrack and not have to worry about it. I mean that's where that's where we kind of shine. Certainly, because you obviously if you have a challenge with your wheels, it's not ideal for you to be driving around that way. Correct, and the cars c- continue to get heavier, faster. The, the the tire level, the grip level of tires has like increased twofold in just the last two years. Oh wow. Um, what would you say is uh, uh, kind of one of the the bigger challenges of continuing to design wheels? Is it is it you know trying to come up with new interesting designs or or just stay you know is it is it more of an evolution process for those or is it like yeah for us it's a it, it, it's two yeah always coming up with new designs is very difficult mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it, it, it some pops in your head and you have it but you know sometimes we just have a really hard time coming up with new designs sure and then for us our our customer 
we have to realize that our customer potentially is going to take a wheel and a tracker, treat it a little bit harder than somebody else would. Mm -hmm. And so when we come up with new designs, we always have to keep in the back of our mind. It it still has to be strong enough to survive those types of things. Okay. Uh, The, uh, uh, hold on a second. So uh, you guys have been been pretty involved with SEMA for for a while now. I mean, it's it's a it's a huge show. Obviously, I mean, there's a reason everybody comes to Vegas every year. Yep. What what would you say the impact of SEMA is on your business? I mean, being like a, a trade show rather than like a consumer show. Um, it's an exercising branding for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you're here to represent the brand. If you if you look around the show, we have I don't, the last year I think we had 60 cars in the show with our wheels. Uh, we haven't done a count, but we still have quite a few. Wow! Um, so that's a big branding exercise for us. Um, huge 60. It is. We have a lot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, and 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 obviously for customers to see the wheels in person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on, we have a nice website, nice color pictures on the website and stuff, but to really get a hold of really what that wheel looks like, sure. um, you have to really see it in person. Definitely. So we have a lot of people coming in the booth. I'd say the majority of the people coming in the booth are coming in so they can pick the style and color for the, the car that they're building or they're going to build next year. Okay, that's cool. What are some of uh, your favorite cars this year that have forge lines at the show? Um, obviously, that GT4 Mustang is a great car for us. The Vicious Mustang. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. went to that unveil yesterday. That thing is very impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah very impressive car. Yeah, yeah, I think that with 10,000 hours or more into into that build, that's just... Right, blows my mind. The uh, the in is it Inferno by Roadster Shop at the yeah, e- at so. the Eaton Booth Mustang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the beautiful car, fantastic car. Nice, yeah. very cool. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say that uh, when you come to the show, like SEMA, do you ever get uh, see anything from other designers or other that you or ideas that can lead you to like go forward on something else? Well, absolutely. That's one of the reasons you come here, and not just wheels, car designs, and things that people are doing in the interiors. I mean, there's all kinds of things that that. What are those things that have been standing out to you then in particular? Have you seen anything different this year that's like, oh, this is a, this direction seems to be new from what's seen in the past? Uh, last year it seemed, last year started with a more of a, you know, like directional wheels were popular in the 90s or whatever, but they just totally went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that seems to be coming back. That trend started kind of last year and has continued again this year. And, uh, and then, you know, five-spoke wheels and open wheels have always been popular. It seems like uh, a, t- a lot more tighter um, designs, a tighter mesh designs with a lot going on. Sure. You, know, you know, wheels that are really, really hard to clean. Yeah, that's, they're, they're the ones I'm like, oh, uh, they're yeah. so beautiful, but yeah. I really like it when someone else cleans those for me. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's my th- my feelings in wire wheels. Is exactly. I've always wanted a car with wire wheels, but I but never want to clean, clean them. them yeah. Never ever want to clean them. I was hire, hire somebody with like a steam one of the steam <laughs> generators and just go in deal with it. Uh, what are, what are some of your personal automotive interests? Like, what, what do you what do you like to drive or, or race? Or? Um, I, I was uh, we <laughs> the first car I raced. I raced uh, quite about, about for about twenty years. I raced, raced in World Challenge, okay, uh, professionally for about seven years. All right. um, but I first raced a Corvair, believe it or not. Nice. <laughs> so, and uh, not not a great car to learn to race in <laughs> well, with the engine in the back. Yeah, build skill, did, did, and did, character. Did a lot of three sixties, sure. and yeah. But once you drive a car like that, the uh, the next cars quite a bit easier to do <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you've got to start somewhere and yeah. then go on from there that's right uh, and then after that race porsches for a long time so, I'm, so nice. I'm, I'm a big porsche guy but now that we've done the pro touring stuff so much yeah i'm i'm really in love with the pro touring cars and we're building currently a 70 camaro oh, with cool. a new z06 lt4 motor in it so oh, wow. we hope that car's done in the spring that'll be cool yeah yeah I'm a big Porsche guy too. What are what are some of your your favorite Porsches? Uh, I have a '91 964 Turbo. That, that's that, a that's nice, my favorite car. car. Yeah, yeah, lovely car. I love that car. Mm-hmm. Um, 
98, new 918. We'd love to have one of those. Those are, those are nice. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, no, those are cool. I love the um, the way they routed the exhaust, like the just giant Inconel things coming right out of the top. Like, yeah, a pretty bold. Move. Lots of amazing engineering on that car. Oh yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Those guys, it's it's yeah, everything they do is is just done to like the nth degree. Yep. It's pretty cool. And David, for those pro touring cars that you're making wheels for, how is what's the design? I mean, obviously they're generally standard now in a pro touring cars coming out about a thousand horsepower. Right. So, how is there anything special that you have to take into account for that? I mean, I'm assuming there's the size. Well, yeah, I mean, the amount of people that are taking those cars on the track is yeah, it, it's, it, it's phenomenal. There's, right, there's more cars, so there's more people taking and doing things with them, and they're you know they're twice as heavy as the normal Porsche that you're, you're making yeah. wheels for. Sure. So we're taking all of that into account. The cars are very very heavy. They're putting 315s and 335s. You know, BF Goodrich rival, super sticky rival S tires on them, and and you know they build these cars for three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, and they go out and beat them on the racetrack, which which I think is fantastic. It's lovely. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but you have to prepare for that in the wheel. Certainly. Sure. Um, yeah, so going back to that Vicious Mustang, I mean, something like that where it's, it's got a compound charge system, so it, like that, that torque is going to be available pretty much immediately. Is that going to... That, that, I mean, I would imagine that presents some pretty unique design challenges in terms of like the actual... Not as much as the 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 the, the lateral load on, oh, okay. on on the car. The cornering load is the hardest thing on a wheel. Okay, um, like that's why uh, like drag racing wheels can be so light. Um, you know, you see drag racing wheels that are you know ten and twelve pounds. Oh, yeah. But if you took that drag racing wheel on a you know, on like one lap on a racetrack, it would just fold yeah. in half. Yeah, but, but since it's going in a straight line all the time, it can, yeah. Yep. What what are some of the the engineering kind of tricks of the trade that you use to to make a wheel that can take that kind of like lateral load and, and stuff? Well, that's a secret. I can't tell you that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's worth a shot, you know. Kyle, I like you just try to slip it right in there. Of course, you do realize, David. Kyle's just a budding uh, wheel designer well, in the sure, making I've got, over here. Yeah, I've, got, I've got the water jet and the CNC. Just well, we think it gives us the best advantage is is uh, we've been making racing wheels for twenty some years, and so in in those years, as the cars uh, increased their grip levels and stuff like that, you know, we're breaking wheels. We well, man, we break wheels, but it's usually in a controlled situation, sure. and we've learned from every single one of those, and uh, and that really gives us the feedback that we need to make you know wheels. Yeah, and the series that you win, the IMSA series, is a great series. I mean, the cars that are in that are some beautiful cars. Yep. That's good, close, competitive racing. Yep, that's just a good series to watch. Well, and on a variety, of, like the the variety of tracks that that they race on here in America is is pretty incredible. Um, you have stuff like Laguna Seca, where there's just huge elevation change, right? And the corkscrew, which does all kinds of horrific things to your car, and then you go somewhere like Road America, where it's just so fast. Very long straightaways, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very fast track. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah, interesting. Things like Lime Rock. Rock Park, where it's so short and <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, less than a minute lap times. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's just a great series to be watching. And then with the new cars that are coming in for 2017, it's going to be even better, I think. Yeah, yeah that'd be interesting. Very strong series. All the racing series are very strong at the moment. Yeah, it's 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 definitely. I mean, I know that like the IMSA stuff, they they always have kind of an issue with like the balance of performance. Yes. thing like that. They're, mm-hmm. they're constantly juggling that. It seems, but. Yep. Apart from that, it's yeah, it's, it's good racing. Yep. What uh, what are some of your, kind of your favorite racing memories? I mean, you did it for so long. So many racing. Well, yeah, when I did the World Challenge Series and we traveled all across the country, and I don't know how I did it and ran a business at the same time because I can't <laughs> imagine doing that right now. But <laughs> but I want to. You're younger and stupid, and you don't really care. Yeah, sure. Um, so that was some of the best times of my life. Really enjoyed having the team and spending that time in you know at the same people building the cars and, and trying to be competitive and working all night and on on a oh, car yeah. that I wrecked and trying to get it to <laughs> to, to, uh, to run the next day. You know, great memories in that regard. Nice. Nice. What are some of your favorite tracks? 
Uh, Laguna Seca is a fantastic track. My home track is Mid Ohio, okay. um, which is an iconic racetrack in the United States. Fantastic place. Um, I also like Sears Point, yeah, uh, which is not called Sears Point anymore. But Sonoma Raceway, <laughs> yeah, Sonoma Raceway. It's yeah. been through a lot, yeah, a lot um, of name changes. It was what Sears Point, then, then Sonoma, then Infineon, yeah. then Sonoma again, and then yeah, the fact that it's in wine country kind of helps that. Oh, it sure, certainly <laughs> does. It certainly helps. Okay. I've always wanted to drive at um, Thunder Hill. Because it's so picturesque, just kind of in the middle of some rolling hills with, like, nothing anywhere else. Like, that seems like that'd be a really It, cool it does look like a fun track. Never been there, but that yeah. looks like a great track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, like, the, there was the 25 Hours of Thunderhill. Like, I've, I've talked to some people, and they say it's just, it gets so dark at night that it, that it's really kind of scary. And yeah, sketchy. right. There's yeah. no lights anywhere. There's anywhere. no lights at all, right? Yeah. yeah. So you're Who needs getting... lights in a racetrack, really? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> I mean, what, what are people doing there late at night, anyway? <laughs> just, figure, just figure it out. You exactly. Don't need, you you've, got, you've, got, you've got that thing on the steering wheel that tells you where to go. Just follow that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So uh, what, what are some things that you want to you um, do with Forge Line in the future? Like, what are, what are some things that you can talk about that maybe you have coming up? Uh, well, we, we released a carbon fiber wheel oh, wow. uh, this, this t- well, yesterday. Um, so it's a carbon fiber bar- barrel. Um, saves about six pounds off of its equivalent aluminum barrel. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's about 40%, so it, that's quite amazing. Cool. And is that for both road and track? No, it's for road, it's for road uh, street stuff at, at the moment, 20 and 21 inch only. I think we'll eventually make 18 and 19 more of a motorsport application, but that, that's going to come later. Sure. Okay. So do, do you find that... Um, that affects like ride quality as well because there's there's like an elasticity to carbon you know or is it no because the tire um takes most of that sure. um but it does make a, a uh also you know everybody talks about lightweight mm-hmm. well the other performance factor is stiffness or deflection in the wheel and obviously the carbon has almost zero deflection yeah. compared to aluminum wheel oh, yeah. very cool uh well you know i think uh it, it's really it's been a pleasure Okay. to have you here on the podcast. It's been we, fantastic, uh, Really enjoyed it. Thank yeah, you. no, it's, it's always great. We love talking to, to people that race. We love talking to auto enthusiasts. And uh, and we love to learn about how it was Carl knows now. It's all about the lateral forces on those. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, David, where can uh, where can people find you online? Uh, find us online at forgeline.com. All right. And social media? or Yeah, uh, uh, forgeline slash Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining us for another Car Stories podcast from SEMA. And uh, if you want to find us on the internets, you'd uh, look at facebook.com slash Peterson Museum, uh, instagram.com slash Peterson Museum, and then just to, again, throw you another curveball, Twitter is uh, twitter.com slash Peterson underscore museum. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we have always have lots of great stuff going on, and uh, we'll have lots more great interviews from SEMA coming up soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, next up is Steve Strope. Uh, Steve is hes kind of a handful. Guy likes to talk, but he's got a lot of good things to say. So uh, just listen. Just, yeah, enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Car Stories podcast brought to you by the Peterson Automotive Museum. My name is Kyle Hyatt, and uh, unfortunately, my co-host, James McKeon, couldn't be here for SEMA because he had quote-unquote, more important things to do, something about a wife's birthday. I don't know. I'm beginning to doubt his commitment. But uh, anyway, we're here uh, at SEMA 2016. We're in the Prestone booth, deep, deep in the Upper South Hall, the very end of the show. And uh, we're in the uh, Winnebago uh, built by the Ring Brothers, the Happy Camper Winnebago. It's a 1,000-horsepower RV with two bars, no bathroom, and... uh, you know, it's generally a pretty good time. Not a bad place to spend the show. So, uh, 
Yeah, we're here right now with Mr. Steve Strope from Pure Vision Design. You probably heard that name before. Uh, he's always bringing something pretty nuts to SEMA. Um, I think uh, I personally heard of him uh, first when he brought the Martini Mustang out, which is maybe the coolest Mustang I've ever seen. Uh, last or Two years ago, rather, he had a, a pretty spectacular Fairlane. Um, and uh, this year he's here with uh, Sung Kang. And uh, he worked with uh, some kids, some auto shop students, to uh, uh, help build a Ford Maverick, of all things. And it's really, really cool. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's nice to have you. Yeah, I, it was kind of a... Uh, I had to park the dog sled uh, <laughs> team outside to trek up here to... Uh, <laughs> sure. To the, to the great Northwest wilderness. <laughs> yeah, well, we had to give you GPS coordinates because uh, otherwise you get lost. Yeah, they flew in first. I paratrooped in and then got the dog sled team and made my way over. <laughs> yeah, well, so this is, this is Prestone's first year at SEMA. So yeah, it's yep. amazing they're inside the building. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole seniority thing that happens at SEMA. There is. There is. So, Audis got shoved outside to the tents. So yeah, not too bad. Crazy. Yeah. So uh, you're having a pretty good show so far. I'm having an excellent show. Um, it's been really fun, especially at the beginning of the week, uh, watching the kids, the the three kids that mm-hmm. were uh, in the group of building the Maverick. Um, go through seeing SEMA for the first time and being uh, literally engulfed by the tidal wave that is SEMA. Yeah, it's it's a lot to take in for anybody. I I just walked over here with a real good friend of mine, uh, Zane Colin from Katati Speed Shop, and we're both veterans of being here for many, many years. And we were just talking with Art Morrison and joking about, what did we do yesterday? What I I walked over there and then I talked to him and uh, yeah <laughs> I did t- ten twelve hours and I have no idea what I did. It's just it's just an assault on the senses. There's oh it is loud. It's yeah and there's so much going on and it's sensory overload with everything's exciting and bright and shiny and new and hey look at this and mm-hmm. of course the never ending sea of stuff being built. You know, coming up here, I'm rarely up here because this main hall, this hall upstairs has been a lot of truck and off-road. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. been at least its anchor position. Yeah, I mean, it still is, by yeah, and large. Right, and so I've, I've never really been up here much, so you come up here and there's a whole new world. Oh, yeah. Of, oh, wow, what's that, and who's that, and so it's it's never-ending. How many miles is it of aisles? 30 miles? Oh, something like that. Yeah, miles? I mean, it's, it's not uncommon for people that are just coming to the show to end up walking 15, 20 miles a day. Yeah. It's nuts. It's it's out of control, and there's so much to see and look at. Mm-hmm. And there's not like one, wow, that's cool. There's a hundred, oh, yeah. wow, that's cool. Yeah. Incredible. It, it is indeed a, a quite a spectacle. For sure. And uh, <clears throat> it's one thing, so so getting back to the, the, the Maverick uh, project a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing that I've noticed is that this year especially there seems to be a lot of uh a lot more kind of unloved uh models and and marks getting built like people are going trying to trying to go to a different well because they're all kind of camaro and mustanged out um and i mean certainly the the maverick is an as yet untapped resource i think oh definitely yeah but you guys did something really incredible with it i mean it's it's got a really unique kind of a very japanese style yeah when sung sung got a hold of me 
last year, mm-hmm. just a little while after SEMA, like sure. a week or so after. And he brought the the the, the Fuguzi. Yeah, that thing is yeah. incredible too. It's a very cool car. Yeah, and I, I've been friends with Sung for years. Uh, we met on the set of Fast Four, mm-hmm. and um, so he told me that he had some conversations with um, sh- the people at Shell. Sure. And they wanted to do a project together. They wanted to, to do something with Sung. And no one was quite sure what that was going to be. But Sung uh, called me up and said, you know what, I, I don't want a car for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got this idea. And I go, okay, shoot. What, what's the idea? And he said, well, I know I want to call it Project Underdog. I want to take these underprivileged kids, these kids that don't have all these opportunities and options. Sure. And... I want him to do something with like building a car, and I go, okay, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. And um, he goes, I think I want to do a Maverick because that's like an <laughs> underdog. And yeah. I go, and he drove a Maverick in one of the Fast movies. Mm-hmm. I think it was, it was either four or five. Okay, but he's like, that'd be cool, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So some time went by, and there were some conversations between him and uh, the Shell Pennzoil team about how this was going to work, you know, working out the details. And he gave me another call and said, hey, we're going to turn this thing real. You know, would you be interested in helping out, being one of the mentors from the kids, et cetera, sure, et cetera? Sure. And I said, sure. And I go, let me let me take a crack at designing it. And I go, so it's a Maverick, and um, you got any requests, you know, anything I should do? And he goes, no, not really, but white. I want it white. And I said, you know what, I've... I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a plan for a 66 Mustang that never never got built. Sure. That was built that was based on a wide-flared Japanese street racer kind of an image. Okay. And so I called up uh, one of my favorite artists that I use, uh, Tavis Highlander, mm-hmm. and said and he had drawn the Mustang artwork way back when. And I said Pull up the uh, the Ethos Mustang. It was called the Ethos Mustang. I go and take the flares and the uh, the rims and the rear view mirrors out on the fenders and this, that, and the other thing and put it on this Maverick. Mm-hmm. Do it white. Set it like this. Davis sent me first round shots right on the money first time. Sent it to Sung. He went ballistic. Loved it. Okay, there we go. And Sung texted me like, four hours later going i can't stop looking at it it's my screensaver now <laughs> he just he loved it and so we went forward to uh going to a bunch of high schools sure in the la uh, basin and interviewing a bunch of kids mm-hmm. and finding the three and um it went from there and it was built uh up at the sema garage in diamond bar california mm-hmm. and uh major major props and thank yous and everything else to Mike Spagnola from SEMA, he really, he took the project over as far as getting all the different vendors involved. Yeah, that's quite um, an organization effort. Yeah, and there's special stuff on that car. That's the new 2.3 liter turbo mm-hmm. uh, motor out of the new Mustang. Sure. There's no, except for in that car, really. There's If you sit and think about that for a minute, you, you guys out there in Carland... There's no standalone computer harness. Yeah. There's no way to make it run. We're putting a Tremec behind it. There's no bell housing or clutch yeah. available. 
So people in the industry got together and helped out. That's really fantastic. And made stuff from nothing. Ford came up with a closed loop, like a standalone computer system that didn't rely on the rest of the car's computer Mm -hmm. to talk to it. So it's actually kind of a, a sum of more than its parts. Nice. A lot of great people coming together. And uh, a lot of great filming. Some of Sung's friends from the movie world donated time, effort, and and knowledge. And you guys just go Google Underdog Maverick Project Sung Kang Maverick. Mm-hmm. And there's five videos out now. And they look like... A movie, team yeah. No, they're beautiful. I watched some of like the the making of videos for it, and just incredible. Just great job all the way around. Everybody involved has been stellar. Yeah, no, the kids actually seem. I mean, it's, it's really cool to see. Like as somebody that took a lot of high school auto shop, like seeing yes. those seeing those kids like just really get into the project and and stuff. And and for people that aren't necessarily familiar with with L.A., like it's not you know it's not all Beverly Hills, you know. Oh and, gosh, no, no, and. Uh, it, to, so to, to to have a chance to do something like this or to work with somebody like Steve or Sung is a is a really big deal. So it's it's really exciting to see these kids like. Yeah, and I've joked about it. I said the kids won the Willy Wonka golden ticket for sure. I yeah. mean, you look at the I you know I I, I can take myself remember my sixteen year old self from Apple Lake in New York where I think there's still one red light, <laughs> a small farm town in upstate New York, and go. What if I got the opportunity to work with this movie star yeah. at SEMA, their private garage, with this car builder guy that I've seen in all these magazines, and they're filming me and interviewing me, yeah. and we're going go-kart racing with Sung, and we're going to Hot Wheels and getting a private tour of behind the green curtain. Oh, my God. Overload. What an amazing opportunity. Yeah, How definitely. cool is that? So we're going to see what happens. I talked with Sung a little bit, just a little bit yesterday about, from what I can tell, everybody wants this to happen again. Yeah, definitely. There's a huge response to this car and the, 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 the project idea. Sure, sure. And so Sung's on a new TV show right now, mm. a show called Power on the Stars Network that actually had a part for him oh cool that the there's a lady who is i believe the producer director it's her show and she i believe sung please forgive me if i got it wrong but believe she wrote the part for him intentionally oh awesome and asked him so he's moved to new york city to film there for two years so um we'll have to see and i already told him you know me and mike could could handle it here but Sung needs to be a part of it because yeah, that's definitely. part of the magic. So it would be up to, you know, if his schedule would allow and, and a whole lot of other things. Some other stars would have to align. But here's hoping because it was yeah. a very worthwhile project. And I think it I think it had a great outreach. Mm-hmm. I think it, it I think a lot of people around the world watched it. And I think hopefully a lot of kids said, hey, I can go do that. Yeah. You know, that I you know, there's there's cool opportunities and neat things to go see and learn and find. So here's hoping because we're trying to get that next generation in. You yeah. know, it's scary. So many of them are like, why should I even bother driving? I I can go get Uber. Mm-hmm. And how old are you? I'm 31. All right. You're young, but you're still the generation that couldn't wait to get their driver's license oh, at yeah. 16 and yeah. get their freedom and go out and do and 
it appears, I'll say it appears instead of condemning them all, mm-hmm. that they would rather sit inside and play video games and do nothing. Sure. And that's scary. Yeah, yeah. But there's still, I think, you know, and again, these, these kids are, are, are definitely proof that there are still kids that are just oh, yes. fired up about cars. and Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that... And creativity and doing things exactly. with your hands. It doesn't have to be... Yeah. It doesn't have to be build a, a supercar. No. Just outdoing and creating and, and mm-hmm. being ingenuitous and and mingling out and being with people and with your friends and find, finding something that is your your love and, and your and your talent um, obviously is very very important. Sure, sure, definitely. So, I guess changing gears a little bit, um, as, as I said, like I first kind of really became aware of you when I saw uh, the Martini Mustang on I think you're on Adam Carolla. Or something. Yeah, I've been on Adam's show a, a few times. He is a wonderful host mm-hmm. and uh, has great taste in cars. <laughs> As it turns out, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I guess for, for, the, for those of us who aren't necessarily super familiar with, with that car, um, maybe give us a little bit of background on, on how it came to be and, and one of the, you know, give us a few of the, the kind of the, the, the real highlights because there's, there's a lot. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a lot to that car. Um, a lot of the stuff I build that we, uh, design and do, uh, on the higher epsilon thing, I like to have a, have a backstory, even if it's imaginary, because that forces the build to go a very certain direction. It gives it a narrative. Yep. Yeah. A certain era, certain time frame, which means it needs to look a certain way Mm -hmm. and it railroads the part selection or parts creation. Uh, to a definitive path, and that does well in creating a very overall package and theme that works together when you look at it. Yeah, it's very it's a very cohesive car, right? Yeah. And I'm really big on what we nicknamed the the Easter egg hunt. Mm-hmm. Nothing really jumps out. You keep seeing and keep finding. I love when people come up to us here at SEMA or Grand National or wherever and go. I've been back to your car five times, <laughs> and I just found the blah, blah, blah mm-hmm. on the car. Holy mackerel. Now, that's important because, for me, that means I did my job right. The car just sitting there was, as you say, cohesive. It just made sense. Mm-hmm. It looked right. And that means, for me, we did our job right. Definitely. So the Martini Mustang, the idea was... Um, and I and I have a large reference library in my office at home. Um, that Ford wanted to go European road racing, mm-hmm. and I found that the first races ever won by a Mustang. They took first and second place in October of 1964 at the Tour de France Road Rally. Oh wow! So the very first racing Ford Mustangs did was European road racing. Sure. So. I wanted to do a special neat motor. I went down and had a conversation with Frank Hausowitz down at Ed Pink Racing Engines. Mm-hmm. I originally wanted to run a Cosworth motor, and he turned my direction towards the Indy uh, Lotus 4-cam motor. Sure. That is the same motor in Jimmy Clark's Indy winning, mm-hmm. uh, that little cigarette, that green famous cigarette yep, yep. little we Indy actually, car. We actually have one at the museum on display. Indeed. Yes, you do. 
So, and the motor we have in the Martini is a Lewis, a stamped LMI, Lewis Meyer Industries, mm-hmm. which is, the, he was the distributor for that motor for Ford to all the race teams. So, um, I took the program. And then I, after that decision was made, leafing through my Hot Rod magazines, I find even though our car is a 66, I find in 67, Ford and Autolite put an Indy 4 cam motor in the 67 Mustang to go record-breaking up at Bonneville. Oh, wow. So now I'm thoroughly justified <laughs> with a 4-cam motor in a Mustang. Definitely. So to top it off, I wanted a livery, and though timeline-wise I played artistic license, Martini wasn't sponsoring even stuff with Porsche mm-hmm. early into... 1966 yeah but who cares yeah um such a great livery you put it on anything it looks oh my gosh and does that mustang wear it well Mm -hmm. it just looks great so from there it's lots of cool little things like the clock and chrono Mm -hmm. mounted to the dash but is it mounted on a cool plate a billet plate no it's mounted on the piece of plastic that is the ford shelby radio delete plate Mm -hmm. why because that's what it would have been laying around in yeah. the Ford HQ, all the Shelby R parts. So we have R parts all over it. Mm-hmm. Instead of making stuff from scratch, we wanted those Shelby R parts because that's what they would have shipped over. Yeah. So cool. now we got a test mule. They just won Indy. They had the motors hung together for going 500 miles wide open in a circle. Mm-hmm. So how about some on-the-road testing with this motor in a car that, you know, is lightened up by shelby for racing and now we have some opportunities to bring in some new modern stuff sneak it in the brand new uh suspension from kyle tucker Mm -hmm. in fact his are serial numbered stamped we have number two in that car and on and on from there neat little choices and and design and and little i mean there's coolers under the car up by the rear valence and the other side in the rear valence is the backup light behind it, and they're protected by, like, chicken wire mm-hmm. for, you know, stones and gravel. And we have a super lightweight transmission from CNR. It Basically, it's an illegal NASCAR tranny. It, okay. we- it weighs yeah, yeah. 63 pounds. <laughs> you can carry it literally That's under a, your four arm. four-speed, right? It's four-speed. Yeah. Sounds amazing when you're shifting. Just oh, <laughs> it's just, oh, God. I can tell you. It is one of my favorite cars I have ever driven down a public road. Sure. It sounds amazing. The soundtrack from that motor is so cool. Mm-hmm. And that tranny with that clunk when it goes in is just awesome. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of neat parts on that car, and you can refer back to there's There's features all over the world. We were in magazines in France, Japan, mm-hmm. um, Australia, here in the States. Um, there's just a million little details around that car, and so many awesome people helping us yeah. um, make make it so. China Aviad making the tank, mm-hmm. you know, out of the blue for us because it's all internal dry sump. Yeah, internal everything. The water pumps inside. That's in- I didn't realize that's really interesting. Yeah, so we had to bring in people with with knowledge, you know, guys that knew way more about that motor and stuff that, than I did and for it to live on the street and be driven mm-hmm. not in an indie car yeah. we had to come up with a bell housing that ran the starter 
uh, piggyback because there is no starter or clutch on an yeah. Indy car. Yeah. So that was a fun little hurdle. <laughs> but luckily, again, the guys at Ed Pink had connections with people, yeah. found the thing that they needed, that we needed, and it, it worked out just stellar, just yeah. incredible. So um, neat car, exercise and patience. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, a lot of hard work. Definitely. Uh, one of the interesting things in that car, one of my favorite things about it, is uh, is the exhaust. You guys had to do a really, really bizarre kind of a, an exhaust layout that because of how how low it is. Yeah, that was uh, that was well. The headers and the exhaust on that was incredible from Aaron Cramford mm-hmm. at Aced. Uh, he's actually an old employee of mine. Oh, cool! But I don't know if you're remembering the flat four and four on the fair lane. Okay, because yeah. that's that's crazy. That one sure. was we copied Holman Moody. Nice NASCAR headers on that one, and when that car was shown, that was up on race ramps, and people mm-hmm. were underneath losing their minds on the exhaust system of yeah. the, that fairlane. No, that whole that whole fairlane was pretty pretty bananas. I saw that at just kind of just wandering around my very first SEMA show two years ago, like looking around, getting getting caught in the headlights everywhere. Like, yeah. oh, there's something cool, there's something cool, and then all of a sudden this blue and gold fair lane just jumps out like what is going on here yeah and that's got stuff again you really would have to crawl around that car the mm-hmm. the suspension is a we use schroeder uh parts it's a hidden torsion bar suspension and the torsion bars run through the inside of the frame rails <laughs> and the rear torsion bars are hidden in the trunk and come down through links through the top it's amazing of the uh, frame, the go, the literally the push rods down to the quick change rear axle is runs through tubes that go through vertically through the top of the frame rails, mm-hmm. and but everything looks like it was done back then, yeah. which is which is difficult to take newer technology or from scratch, and you need it to work and function, but make it look like somebody was using stuff from back in the day. Sure. And again, uh, Frank and the guys at Ed Pink's with that all-aluminum sock motor. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, Aaron Cranford on the uh, exhaust and the the really unique intake. Aaron wanted to crack at that. I wanted to do an intake that was very reminiscent of um, the crazy prototype stuff that Mickey Thompson was doing. Okay. So I wanted a big bathtub-type intake with a lift-off lid that had four two barrel mm-hmm. mounting pads and then we took these two barrels and get, found these float bowls that holly made um called le mans bowls they okay. were used in the nascar world and i found one the one place in the planet you can get them holly still makes them but they are sold through a place called carl's ford parts <laughs> and you can't buy these float bowls from holly that's weird this carl guy does a lot of tri-power setups mm-hmm. Um, for Ford people, so I believe he has an arrangement with Ford where they, I mean with Holly, that mm-hmm. they make those bowls, and uh, he is the seller of them. That's cool. So we found him and have those, and the old race guys um, know those float bowls. So they were a neat, uh, one again, the Easter egg hunt. Yeah, definitely. So you keep looking, you keep finding. We even had... These the fan shroud is actually a two piece shroud on on fasteners, and there were alignment tape measurement one inch, two inch, three inch 
So the guys at Ford, because this was, uh, we called it the Black Ops Fairlane, mm-hmm. an in-type, in, in-house prototype. So you could literally loosen the fasteners and slide open the radiator core support or close it. And one of the things in NASCAR and high-speed racing is blocking off frontal sure. area. So this way, you slide each one out one inch, take your measurement, mm-hmm. take your notes of speed increase or not. So, again, detail, detail, yeah. detail. I love the uh, the rear spoiler on the Fairlane, too. That was such a cool touch. That really jumped out that, at me. That is an air brake mm-hmm. tied in with the braking system. And, again, you know, stealing from the geniuses, from the from the real guys, that was taken from Jim Hall with his Chaparrales. Okay, yeah, yeah. He had the driver-activated rear, the big air foils mm-hmm. that were foot-pedal-activated. Mm-hmm. So that um, that added to his braking. Yeah. And I thought that was fascinating. So I'm like, what if, you know, it's right around the same era, 1966, 67. Yeah, so what if the Ford guys were going, hey, let's look into that active aero thing and tie it in with the brake system. And the, this air brake comes up the same time you're on the brakes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so just taking from history and trying to put together a cohesive package that, made sense so this thing is like yeah there's this secret guys in ford like gm's got their skunk works mm-hmm. and i just called it black ops and so this car is not going to be entered into any competition no so uh, even back then so it's like the chains are off they can do anything adjustable torsion bars and active air brakes and sure. prototype intakes and mm-hmm. quick change for changing gears at the track and learning different ratios and what this does and what that does. And so everything around the car was based off of this idea that this was some top secret test vehicle. And then what they learned from it, they can go put on their cars in competition in NASCAR or Mm -hmm. NHRA. Sure. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. It was a fun car. Yeah, I can imagine it. It makes a a hell of a racket, too. Yeah, (laughs) we're going to be taking it down to the L.A. Auto Show. Uh, uh, Jay Leno uh, has invited us down there for some filmings. And, uh, yeah, it makes a racket. (laughs) It is a loud, loud car. Yeah. One thing I think is kind of interesting uh, with that's been happening over the last couple of years, and I think you have a lot to do with it with cars like the the Black Ops Fairlane or the Martini Mustang, is this kind of resurgence of a, a more like a road racing aesthetic with people like. Your, your shop's up, in, it's in Simi Valley, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. I yes. think there was another car, It was I think it's a 63 and a half Falcon Sprint, and it was, you know, it's black, and the guy's got, like, hand, like a big, deep, like, aluminum chin spoiler, yeah. and Holman Moody all over the place, like, you see that yeah. car all the time at Cars and Coffee, or, you know, it's just, there, there's a bunch of cars here, there's, um... Yeah, the, 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 the Trans Am influence, yeah. and I'm kind of partial to a mixture of trans am and what i call the riverside sure um the sports car racing they had multiple classes Mm -hmm. lots of ingenuity happening lots of creativity happening lots of experimental happening definitely and it was mix and match of body styles and engines and Mm drivetrains and rims and tires and that whole thing you know there was neat stuff going on look at doan spencer with his t-bird Sure. You know, that blown T-Bird with the kidney bean wheels on it and knockoffs and just all this neat race-inspired stuff coming down from him. And so that influence, uh, it's a endless well for me. Mm-hmm. 
And I grew up near Watkins Glen Raceway, so yeah. I was up there a bunch. And so I speak sports car as well as I do muscle car and, and drag race and what have definitely. you. And it's definitely a large um, influence on me. Um, and I, um, I've had many really great talks with a, uh, there's an artist named Steve Stanford who's been around forever mm-hmm. and is prolific and hugely inspirational to so many different people over the last oh, almost three decades. I mean, his sketch pads have been in Carcraft, Hot Rod, uh, the VW magazines, the mini truck magazines, mm-hmm. the sport truck magazines, Rodder's Journal. I mean, you name it. He is kind of blown out over the last, like I said, two, three decades of inspiration and thinking up different paths, but yet kind of steeped in a form of tradition. And he and I both have discussed, we can't quite put our finger on it, but what the magic is about race cars, any kind of race car, yeah. drag race, stock car, sprint car, road race, indie, uh, whatever it is, mm-hmm. F1. From throughout the 60s into the early 70s, there's some magic of it's still organic. There's still guys' hands on these cars. They're not sterile, corporate, computer design. I agree, yeah. But they, were, they weren't backwoods, mm-hmm. you know, slapped together. No, I mean, they're, they're, they're geniuses and short-sleeved dress shirts with slide rules. Right, but yet it had this... So it had this amazing, neat, raw, mechanical essence, mm-hmm. this purposeful to it, but it still looked like what it was. And it was just a magic time in motorsports, and it 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 is a safety to a point to pull from that. Oh, yeah. Because it's always... It'll always look good. It's part of the heritage and history. And I've had a couple of big conversations. The last month, I've been kind of harping on this whole... People have been asking me about trends and where it's going and, you know, whether I like it or not, I'm part of that and and Mm -hmm. what I think of this, that, and the other thing. And there's room for all of it. I think some of the interviews wanted to start up controversy. Yeah, sure. And I'm like, you know what? There's avant-garde. There's the crazy out on the limb. Mm-hmm. And I went, you know what? Let's skip. Let's skip cars. Let's for the heck of it. Let's talk food. Mm-hmm. And I said, you need that weird, crazy, three hundred and fifty dollar plate of French food. Yeah, you need that to counterbalance and to prove every time how great chicken noodle soup is. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that super expensive plate. No. And it's neat and it's new and it's creative. 20 to 1. It will not be around as long as chicken noodle soup has been and will be. Mm -hmm. And so my hat's always off to the guys pushing the boundaries of the car world with these crazy builds, reaching out at the other end, pushing the limits Taking the bar and just, you know, literally just throwing it on the ground. There is no bar. Sure. Well, I mean, we're, we're kind of sitting in an example of that now. I mean, the Ring oh, yeah. Brothers. Yeah, this is kind of crazy. Those guys are <laughs> pretty unhinged. Right. They're, they're always seeking out. So I'm like, you know what? I think it's all part of having great options at that big automotive cafe. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to buy that $350 plate 
And I want to be able to come back to chicken noodle soup, too. Sure. And I lie somewhere closer to the soup with some little bit of spices and some, you know, pepper jack cheese in yeah. it. Yeah, I like that you analogy. You know, I, I, I stay back here. Mm-hmm. Even that twin turbo Camaro we did, I based that off of an Aston Martin-ish idea. Yeah. I did not want a pro touring car. I wanted a GT. That makes I sense. wanted a super clean, super high-end, super fit and finish, tons of power, brake and horsepower. But nowhere in the world did I say, and we're going to go carve a new time at the Ultima track, yeah. and we're going to blaze through pylons. It's not what that car is about. Mm-hmm. That car is about class and power and showing up, you know, in a badass car. <laughs> so, and that's what I did with that car. Again, a theme. There yeah. was something to follow. So, but there was a lot to call back on. Guys that like Aston Martin saw the line drawn. Yeah. So what I was was some spiced up chicken noodle soup. There was some stuff there sure. that they were comfortable with, that they know, that they saw, that looks good and mm-hmm. restraint. But, you know, a little bit of, wow, that's kind of cool, too. So that's me. But I'm glad there's guys doing the other crazy stuff. Definitely. Because it's all needed. you got to push the boundaries and on top of it, when you push and you go crazy, that also counterbalances and somebody brings in, say, a restored, you know, Buddy Baker stock car. Mm-hmm. That's always cool. Yeah. It, there's no way around it. That's going to have a crowd, too, because, wow, that's neat. Yeah. You know, that's our history. That's that's DNA. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So I guess kind of wrapping things up a little bit, where do you, uh, what's next for Pure Vision? I mean, what, what do you guys got coming down the, the pike that you can talk about? Or Sure. Um, we have a lovely, uh, two door 57 Ford ranch wagon that we're doing for Bob flooring. He, uh, co-owns ARP fasteners. Okay. And that'll be unveiled here next year. Awesome. Yeah. Obviously in the ARP booth Mm -hmm. (laughs) or someone's getting fired. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If it shows up anywhere else, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Um, we are engaging, uh, into a. Nova, I'll just say Nova for mm-hmm. now, for uh, Mr. Joe Rogan. Oh, very cool. A uh, great customer. Um, we are three quarters of the way through a convertible 1971 GTO. Nice. Um, they're only made about 614 of those ever. It was yeah, the last same. year of the convertible GTO. Um, that's a really neat piece. Schwartz chassis under that, LSA powered. All right. Um and uh, even down to a really, lack of a better term, really neato <laughs> little right-hand drive 62 Toyota Stout pickup. Oh, cool. Uh, for a really great guy named Peter Friedman. He owns Rode Microphones out of Sydney, oh. Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So a lot of neat stuff. Just handed over uh, original number matching uh, Hemi 4-speed uh, Belvedere. Oh, wow. So a lot of, lot of cool stuff. We're finishing up a gorgeous little 69 Camaro convertible for some people. Very nice. But next year's the big one will be the, the 57 Ranch Wagon. Um, so you, you guys can look for that, and hopefully we uh, we please everybody again and, and yeah. get good reviews for Bob. Well, I'm looking forward to it, certainly. So if people want to find you on the Internet, where would they go to look? Uh, PureVisionDesign.com is the website, mm-hmm. and just you can... Find Pure Vision, of course, uh, on Facebook. Sure. And um, one of my employees, Pete, has Pure Vision Pete oh. on Instagram. All right. So he throws in some 
stuff going on, some juicy behind the scenes, some little <laughs> shots of stuff getting fabricated, nice. some sneak peeks of things there. So, yeah, that would be the three main ways to get a hold of us or, or to see and watch what we're doing. And uh, thank you uh, for the opportunity to uh, spend yeah. some time with you on the show. Well, thanks for thanks for taking some time. I mean, Seema is obviously pretty crazy, so we appreciate you. <laughs> walking way out here oh boy yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't envy your walk back it's but, okay uh, i got the sled dogs so i'll oh, yeah, fire good. them up and we'll we'll get going we're keeping them warm outside <laughs> uh and thank you guys for for taking the time to tune into another car stories podcast we're you know we're here at sema all week long we're, we're just about to wrap up tomorrow but uh you know it's it's a pl- it's a pleasure and a, a blast to to be able to give you these interviews with these incredible automotive personalities and talents and uh we hope you guys keep uh keep tuning in every week and uh, if you want to find us, it's really easy. Uh, it's peterson.org. That's Peterson with two E's. And uh, if, if you want to find us on Facebook, it's Peterson Museum. Uh, Instagram, also Peterson Museum. And then just to check and make sure you're listening, it's Peterson underscore museum on Twitter. So we'll see you there. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Uh, so uh, now we have uh, Mr. Corky Coker. So um, strap in, uh, get your mustache wax ready for the ride of your life. It's going to be wild. Hold on. Hello and welcome to the Car Stories Podcast brought to you by the Peterson Automotive Museum. My name is Kyle Hyatt and with me as always, James McKeon. There he is. You know him. You love him. Uh, We are uh, again here, SEMA 2016, Las Vegas, uh, the world's largest trade show, the 50th anniversary of this, uh, uh, it, it's a spectacle. There's nothing like it. SEMA's just the, the greatest show on earth. Yeah, I mean, Barnum, P.T. Barnum might, might might take umbrage with uh, that statement, but he, I think he's dead, so we're good. I think we're okay. We're good. We're good. Uh, unless he has any litigious family members, in which case we apologize. Uh, we are, uh, we've been bringing you uh, some, some really incredible interviews all week long. Uh, right now, we are extremely fortunate. We have Mr. Corky Coker in the Ring Brothers RV. Uh, Coker sounds familiar to you. It's probably because uh, they make uh, incredible reproduction tires uh, for just about everything that rolls. Almost everything. Oh, and then some. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, it doesn't matter if you got like a classic 911 and you Michelin XWXs, or if you have a Persang Bugatti and you need new tires for your Type 35, uh, Coker's got you covered. We got them. We got a lot going on, guys. It's great to be with you and, you know, in such a so- exciting, wonderful week that is kind of the uh, pinpoint of the year for many people. You know, when I was a kid, we timed our year about summer vacation and Christmas, right? Oh, Halloween, maybe. You know, when you, when you get to be an old guy like me even old enough like you guys young bucks you time your year about many important things like monterey pebble beach uh you know pomona and the sema show and this is everything that anybody doesn't need but you got to have and it's wonderful place absolutely it's really a wonderful wonderful experience Yeah, we uh, we had a little event just a few hours ago with all the past chairmen of the councils, and they had us each stand up and say when we got involved with SEMA. And for me, it goes back into the late 80s, early 90s, 
Uh, I was on the uh, board of directors for a number of years, served as chairman of the board. Um, you know, I was in 0345, but I ch- kind of changed the name. Because of all the cool stuff we have here at SEMA, I said, stop calling it the chairman of the board. It's chairman of the, uh, chairman of the exciting. It, there's nothing boring about oh, SEMA. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned that the uh, the uh, chairman elect, or I think he's actually the official chairman now, is uh, Wade Kawasaki, who is the current CEO of Coker. He is. He's the COO. He's the oh, president. COO. Okay. I'm. I'm. St- I still kind of held on to the uh, title of CEO. Well, you, you don't want to hand it over the keys. Doesn't yet. get me much except on payday and that's dinner a, time. Well, sure. I'll take Kyle out and shoot him after that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Come on, Kyle. Thought he would have yeah. done his bit of homework. There, Kyle. <laughs> Come on, man. Come well, on. Pull actually, yourself together. Actually, Wade goes in as chairman in july okay. uh, the sema year as far as serving changes at the uh, installation banquet that happens okay. in la uh, in july so sure 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 he's chair elect for another six months i guess well i guess he'll, he'll just have to live with it yeah yeah hey what a wonderful sponsor you guys have in the peterson museum oh, oh yeah you know what a wonderful transition those guys have done oh it's magical you know, skyline change in downtown la mm-hmm. it's just amazing it's a yeah. real highlight it's a yeah. beautiful one there yeah, yeah. it's been it's been an incredible year since we we reopened and um actually next month now will be a, almost a year exactly on i believe it's the seventh so kyle how, how many people did they forecast to come through in the first year oh it's 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 i think the previous the, record was I, I thought the numbers they projected was a hundred and 150, 170, like but they've already hit it. They already hit the two and a half times over. Yeah. Four, four, over 400,000. Was they, it yeah. 70% of them are reoccurring mm-hmm, visitors mm-hmm. as that basis? Yeah. I told my friend Bruce Meyer, all I need is a nickel from each one of those guys. And, and then it would be good. All I, I, if, the, if you get the nickel, I just want a penny. Yeah, yeah. you get a penny, I get a nickel. Yeah, and, and, and Kyle gets. Well, he, for that mistake, he gets yeah, nothing. I'll it. take a yeah. quarter. It's fine. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. 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 No, it's been great. It's really fantastic. We actually had Bruce on the podcast very recently, and oh, cool. uh, yeah, his episode hasn't gone up quite yet. But yeah. it's uh, by the time this is out, it probably will. Um, but yeah, what an interesting guy he is too, and just, just oh my, unbelievably dedicated to the everything. Museum. Yeah, and yep. everything hot rod. Yeah. Yep. yep. Got some of the finest hot rods around too. You know, it's true. It's very true. Really do. But I mean, yeah, you, you go in your private garage, and you got the Doan Spencer Roadster. You got. You know, you got the uh, uh, Pearson Brothers Coupe, and then and then right next to it is the uh, uh, the 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 Prudhomme Greer uh, Black yeah. uh, Dragster. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's a little selection of quality right yeah. there. It's got to be good to be Bruce, you know. Uh, yeah, it is. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool to be Bruce. He has a really cool private collection. He sure too. does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, James hasn't been yet, but we'll, One we'll get it set. Up. You haven't? No. Oh. No, you might have to watch Bruce rated. for me. Yeah. yeah. It, well. Maybe you talk funny or something. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what it is. It, it, your accent is really familiar to me. It's Alabama, isn't it? It's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. That's right. I yeah. thought so. Yeah, James actually hails from Muscle Shoals. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's true. Born and bred. Yeah. 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 He, he got left there when the Rolling Stones came and recorded. And, yeah, uh, you know, I, I talk about my good friends just south of Our headquarters is in Tennessee, James. Mm-hmm. And I talk about my good friends in Alabama. They've got a little special football team going on now down there and you know they're probably going to just knock everybody out and be number one but you know the problem that they have in alabama is no one there has reached the age of accountability yet uh, it's really true yeah. uh, so but they're wonderful folks you know it's 
a good great place that you can go and when you get a divorce you can still call her your cousin yeah you know but it's, it's okay <laughs> and uh to any of our listeners in the fine state of alabama we, we still uh, love you yeah we love i'm you. just joshing <laughs> And, and that was Corky. That wasn't Kyle or James. So. No, that was definitely Corky. Yeah. But Kyle Corky. certainly instigated it. That's yeah. what I'll say. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'll, you know what? I'll fall on that sword. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. so, hey, let me tell you a little sure. bit about what we're doing here yeah, at SEMA. Do. Is, that, is that cool? I think it's a perfect no. time. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a good time to do that. Can nice. I do that, James? The ideal time. Hey, let me, can I take a number? I'm. Am I next? No, number yeah. one. Okay, I'm number one. So, you know, at the SEMA show... You got all these people that are bringing brand new products, and SEMA has just done a wonderful mm-hmm. job photographing that. They put it through, put you through the new products display, you know, all these things. And we every year, at any one given time, have as many as two or three hundred new tire products in development. Mm-hmm. This year, we came up with a new product. It's for muscle cars. I'm a baby boomer, product of the. My mama and daddy, obviously. Sure. But, uh, you know, I was born in 54, so when I was in high school, muscle cars came around. And uh, love GTOs, Chevelles, Camaros, 442s, all those sort of things. Well, a guy that's restoring a GTO, Camaro, any of the muscle cars, had to make a choice before this product. They chose whether they wanted to cut their tires to be exactly authentic, and, or if they didn't want them exactly authentic, they would choose a modern radio mm-hmm. because exactly authentic was bias belted. And when you drive those, they'd wander all over the road. Oh, yeah. Sure. That's a little we, harrowing. We, we have the Firestone Wide Oval original tires. And those are really wonderful to, for the cars you want to show. But if you wanted to drive your cars, a little dangerous sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we designed a brand new retro, retro Firestone Wide Oval radio that looked like the original tire. But it's a radial tire. That's actually oh, really, that's really cool. That's really, really cool. Super cool. One thing that I think is interesting is, is yeah, you guys do these reproductions of all these incredible tires. I mean, for cars and, and motorcycles. I mean, you guys do a lot of motorcycle stuff. Yeah, we do. Um, we love them. How, like, how do you go about doing that? I mean, do you just try to, like, do you, do you contact manufacturers that are still around and, and get plans for them? Do you just find an old one and dissect it? What is the process for that like? It's, it's uh, it, you know, it takes a very brilliant guys to do that. Sure. And I'm not him. Yeah, that's okay. why James and I. <laughs> uh, that's why we're it's, like, the it's like James and Kyle. Absolutely. So, you know, we have relationships with Bridgestone Firestone. We have relationships with Michelin, BF Goodrich, U.S. Royal. And we pay them a license to build these tires in their, with using their trademarks. Sure. We've been in the licensing business since in the 70s. So, you know, we find the original drawings and we can reproduce those. Actually, our wide oval molds are the original molds. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we produce brand new tires using modern technology, using modern tread compounds, all that sort of stuff. And we put them in production and we have these tires. So when we want to make something that doesn't exist or never existed, Mm -hmm. uh, we just run it by the legal staff and they say sure it sounds great mm-hmm. and they get a bigger license and we send them a check every quarter everybody wins but, yeah. and everybody wins so you know you got to do things right always it's always the right thing to do the right thing and we've learned th- through our many years if we build a good product and we're excited about it and we out and we work half the time which is only 12 hours a day kind of, well, of course yeah um, that seems reasonable to me then pretty soon we get lucky Mm-hmm. And 
I don't really believe in luck. It, we are very blessed with sure. a lot of business and folks that come to us and buy this product. So. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you guys, yeah, you, the, the stuff you guys do is incredible. I mean, the, the, we had recently on the podcast um, John Bothwell yeah. from uh, Persang. And yeah. uh, John Bothwell, in addition to uh, Jesse Combs, who is going to be on later this week, uh, they took a Persang Type 35 Bugatti uh, on like beautiful, beautiful Coker tires that, yep. that are, you know, they, they look like they belong there, but they're modern. They, they're, they're safe. Uh, and they drove it 4,000 miles. They sure did. Miss Jessie just piloted that little T-35 uh, Persang down the road, and she looked pretty cool doing it. Sure did. It's hard very, to not look cool, cool in, a, in a Persang. You know, those, those cars, by the way, um, John Bothwell, when you hear this, you need to check me out. I need one of those. <laughs> I got to have one of those. They're perfect. All you got to do is convince Mrs. Coker of that, yeah. too. Okay, I think that's a fair request. That's yeah, fair. yeah, very fair. It's and, a and cool if you're piece. Gonna, and if you're going to make one for Corky, I mean, why not make two more? Yeah, two more. One yeah. for James and one for Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as long as he's paying, I don't mind. We'll do it <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's fine good. with me. Yeah. So you, uh, you obviously uh, have have a great love for for cars and and automobiles and stuff. What what are apart from muscle cars, which you mentioned? What are some of your favorite uh, vehicles? Oh gosh, you know, I believe cars have feelings, just like children have feelings. And, you know, in my collection, we've got about 150 cars and 100 bikes or so. And, you know, when I go in and choose one, what, the, the rest of them are jealous. So I don't have a favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the one I'm driving that day. Every day I drive a 1934 Ford pickup. It's got original flathead, straight pipes, three-quarter cam, mm -hmm. and a T5 behind it. So I can cruise down the freeway at 75 miles an Easy. hour. And everybody kind of looks over at me and said, hey, I recognize that mustache, and they give me a thumbs up. Yeah. What, do you, what, what can you ask for? Is that thing yeah. trademarked, by the way? Because oh, it sure. should be. Sure. Yeah, it's it, like, uh, what is it, uh, like uh, Eddie Van Halen's finger? You got it insured separately? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, um, it's not something that I'm really interested in doing. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have a great time. I've, I've got early brass cars. Uh, I really enjoy going down the freeway in a 1909 Lozier and passing everybody on a freeway at 75 miles an hour. That's kind of fun yeah, yeah i dig that and you give them a thumbs up yeah awesome. i give them a thumbs up like oh i like your uh you know wrx man that's pretty cool mm -hmm. and they look at me and say what's that <laughs> 1914 stutz bearcat or 1909 Lozier. that's kind of fun oh, there you go yeah. uh so uh, you guys have some cool stuff in your booth this year you well, we do cool stuff in your booth every year every but year. uh it's cool but stuff. What, what, do you, what do you got there now that people might be interested in? well uh since in the coker booth we're displaying our uh president's 1970 gto judge because it Mm -hmm. Came original equipment on Firestone White Ovals, and we've got these new Firestone retro radials on it. That's a perfect match. Yeah, it is a perfect match, and we're all about doing that. We like to match the customer's perfect tire needs with their perfect cars. So. Yeah. Would that have, did the combination of those two come together just by chance, or did someone maybe influence that decision? Somebody thought those? about that ahead of time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, they thought about that ahead of time. Probably it wasn't me. I, you know, I spent all my time playing with my grandkids and sure. stuff like that anymore since i'm semi-retired but now working harder than i ever did <laughs> that, that's, that seems like a like a good place to be semi-retired yeah I feel like that's a good that's a, something to achieve but it always seems if when someone's semi-retired they always seem to be working harder than when they were working full that time. that is precisely sure. the case yeah. it's it's unbelievable you know i was i was uh much of a micromanager ran the business for 40 something years and uh, just determined that I was, you know, my boss was really hard on me. The guy with the big 
gray mustache. And <laughs> so, you know, he fired me and I went home and I'm working for this cute little five foot tall brunette and she just loves me to death. So it's a great transition for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what more could you ask for? Yeah. yeah. So you guys also have, I, th- I walked by uh, the booth earlier. You sure. guys also have a, um, uh, I think it looks like a custom Indian, like a, that, that oh, thing was yeah. real cool. Yeah, it's a 101 Scout. It's custom bobbered. Hot rod bikes are just uh, hotter than a pepper sprout right now. Sure. And that, that bike was built by one of our favorite um, uh, favorite builders. And we have designed a new tire product for that hot rod bike market, too. We've mm. got a Firestone 45017 ANS, which means all non-skid. Oh, wow. Ooh, just, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. It was used on a lot of military bikes in the war, but mm-hmm. I mean, all these retro hot rod guys that are building these bikes just love the original Firestones. And it's not really a true build unless you're using the original stones. Oh, sure. yeah. No, those big balloon tires are pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you know what's really fun about the hot rod bobber bike market? You know, it was a it was a product that most of the guys that came back from the war they would kind of you know they would hot rod their WL or whatever they mm-hmm. rode in the war mm-hmm. and they got back and they'd take the fenders off and chop the uh, handlebars down and so it was a it was a segment of the market the guys and they rolled up their Levi's and wore their biker sure. boots and the guys that are really the true leaders of that market today you know where they're from. Hmm. Japan, of course, isn't well, that cool? Well, that's yeah. the thing. I just love that. It's, well, it seems I, like J- the Japanese do Americana better than anybody they do. else. It's well, amazing. one thing that we found since being in the Ring Brothers Happy Camper, mm-hmm. the most, the satisfied customers that have come inside this vehicle mm-hmm. have been the Japanese. Oh my god! One so, of them so has, excited. One of them said he has one exactly the same, and he wants to try and. Uh, duplicate everything in the inside yes <laughs> another one said he had one as he, that he had also he even showed us pictures of his miniature version of this that he had as a toy mm-hmm. i mean like it's perfect yeah perfect. It's, it's incredible well i guess they say uh you know uh, to mimic someone is the best the representation greatest form. Yeah. Yeah, greatest form of Flattery, sure. absolutely true. Sure, sure. Yep. So uh, one of the, the, the big things that, that Coker does every year is the Great Race. Yeah. It's a huge event. It's, you know, the, the stuff that turns up to, to, to run it is always just bizarre uh, and, and fantastic. And tell, tell us a little bit about how that got started. Well, it was started back in the early 80s by a guy named Tom McRae and Norm Miller of, of uh, Interstate Battery fame. Mm-hmm. And the very first race went from Los Angeles back to Indianapolis and it was to it was to celebrate the race around the world from New York to Paris in 1908 sure won by the Thomas Flyer from Buffalo New York and the interesting thing in 1908 if you look back into the annals of time and pictures etc most of the world was driving ox carts and horses and carriages sure. still in 1908 certainly and what this race did from New York to Paris, which was supported by and reported on by the New York Times, which went around the world. It made the whole world realize this is automotive thing would is a pretty good thing and it's going to happen. So we have uh, great races now doing that. It's a time speed endurance rally. People, uh, about 120 cars go uh, and participate. It's not the fastest who get there, but people have a wonderful time and we stop in towns along the way and what 
we say is at great races, it's the adventure of a lifetime that you can do every year. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it does seem like it would be a blast. That's definitely on my, my list of things to do at well, some point. you know what I think the Great Race needs? I think it needs Car Stories podcast to take part in the Great Race, and we could do a different podcast from each location. That sounds like a great idea. We could borrow something from the vault. That would never happen. They'll never let us take anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, they know better. I, no, they, they could do that. Sure. They could do that. Sure. We'll I, I'm sure. We'll talk, I'll talk to Terry and see what he says. No yeah. problem. I mean, yeah. it, doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be the roles. We don't need that one. No. Well, yeah, but... It's, you I know, mean, the Peterson has class. Why not the Rose? Well, yeah. yeah. We want to we want to project I, the right image. I was thinking more uh, the Jaguar that they have there. That didn't that belong to someone famous? What the the the, uh, the green one? The, well, there's a couple. That uh, I think Steve his name was Steve oh, something. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Steve um, Steve Perry from Journey, right? That's the no. one. Wasn't he an <laughs> actor or yeah. something like that? No, yeah. yeah, no, the, that'd be great. No, they don't let that one out very often. The yeah. uh, was it the 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 Mel Torme the SS one twenty I think it was yeah that would be fun to take on the great race why not yeah uh, you know I'll tell you if you guys pitch it you'd be surprised let me know when you pitch it I'll make a phone call we'll make it happen you guys can come you can do podcasts at every we'll make it happen All right. that, we're sold out already for seventeen but that's amazing. you guys want to come you talk to Terry get it okayed. Here we go. Done. Perfect. It's in. I yeah. just want to know now who's going to be uh, Jack Lemon. Who's going to be Tony Curtis? <laughs> well, that's. I, I think I feel like I'm going to end up being Jack Lemon. <laughs> you look mean. Yeah. You look mean, like <laughs> Doctor. What was it? No, it was Professor Fate. There that's it is. right, Professor, Professor Fate. Fate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. If, I don't know if I could pull off a great Leslie though. No. The great James. You maybe. can do it. The great Jimmy. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. There we go. I think we you know what you got to do though, James. Every time you smile. You've got to fix it so your tooth sparkles. Exactly, yeah. the twinkle yeah. in my tooth. I think yeah. I think if we pitch that, that's the way to go about it with there Terry. There it is, yeah. yeah. Sparkling tooth. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, sold out for 17 already. That's that's yes, incredible. Sir. We sold out in September for the 17 race. It's Whew. really amazing. Uh, you know, a lot of baby boomers want to go do this adventure of a lifetime. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, the prize money is $150,000. Not a bad First deal. place can win fifty grand, And we go to the most wonderful towns in all of America, just small-town America. And every car guy in the world within 200 miles comes out in every town. So... What a wonderful place to do a podcast. Maybe you can take the Ring Brothers piece yeah. here well, and just kind of go down I the road. I don't think they'll miss it. Uh, no, not at all. No. Not at all. Yeah. No. They wouldn't notice when we just sneak it off just in my back pocket. <laughs> Certainly not. So we really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy SEMA schedule, Corky, to come and talk to us in a Winnebago. It's a, it's a non-traditional venue, but we, you know, we like it. I, I, I think you guys are pretty cool for you know, making sure that uh, we're all um, – Hanging out in really class accommodations. And, I know. Sure. You know, I like the uh, little um, no-tail motel lights that are flashing around. Sure. It gives you guys a lot of class. That's what we, yeah, that's us. That's all the way. Class. Class. <laughs> yeah. Class. Yeah. yeah. So if people wanted to find uh, Coker Tire uh, uh, on the Internet or on social media, where, where would they look? Well, down in the south, when we won't, you know, when it's time for supper, you, sure. we just lean our head out the window and holler, time to eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... You know, since we're now in the modern age of technology, you can't hardly do that anymore. No. So it might still work, though, if you hang your head out your apartment window and you just shout, Coker Tires. That's right. Somebody Somebody might know. And someone might shout it back to you, Coker Tires. Yeah, I know that knucklehead with the big mustache. (laughs) There you go. You know, he probably cheated me or something. No, you can find us pretty easily at CokerTire.com. Oh, fantastic. Or 
one of our maiden, major companies that we didn't talk about much, but you can check them out. We make about 1,000 wheels a day imported from Los Angeles, California. Oh, Made right in Los Angeles. Yeah. Wheelventiques.com. Very cool. And uh, you can, you know, call us on our toll-free number, too. But oh, sure. 251-6336. There we go. So oh, there magic. we go. Yeah, you guys are great. Thank you for having me here in this magic Winnebago ride. It is pretty magical. Yeah. We, no, we real... got the fireplace going. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, we're setting the mood. And we're going to have had some brats on. Yeah. And the back there on the stove. Yeah. So I think we should get to go. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, it's good. Well, thank you again, Corky. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to all of you guys for, for tuning in and, and, and listening to Car Stories every week. Uh, we really appreciate uh, that, that you're interested in what we're doing, and, and we wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for you. Uh, if you uh, like the podcast, make sure you're subscribed. If not, then you're probably doing something wrong. And you're not showing... smart. Hey, no, well, you're just not smart if you're not subscribing. You're just, you're just subscribe. extra work for yourself. Exactly. Gotta go get it. it just makes, <laughs> makes it much yeah. easier once you subscribe. Yeah, and uh, throw us a review and a rating on, on iTunes. That a really positive, helps us out. Positive review and a good rating. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can leave your one-star reviews uh, Elsewhere. at home. Yeah, yeah. We Put them back in the, we, in the closet. Six and above, I think, is mm-hmm. the best. Even though it's a five-star system, That's I right. think six is probably the one of the order. <laughs> just send, send Apple a letter and say, yeah, we need I'd like to give Car Stories a six-star review, please. They'll They'll, they'll, they'll take care of that, no problem. And address it to Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so if you want to find us on uh, on the Internet, it's real easy, uh, more or less. Uh, you can go to petersonmuseum.org, or peterson.org, rather. You can go to uh, facebook.com slash petersonmuseum. Go to Instagram, uh, where we're Peterson Museum. We're on Twitter. We are Peterson underscore museum, which we like to do just to, to make sure you're paying attention. Exactly. Keep you on your toes. Indeed. Indeed. So thank you again, and uh, stay tuned for uh, lots more awesome automotive interviews with uh, some of the greatest figures in our, uh, in our industry. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, yeah, that was Corky Coker. And you definitely heard him promise a spot for Kyle and I on the great race in 2017. That's right. You are all witnesses. So you need to inundate... There's social media saying we can't wait to have here car stories on the 2017 Great Race. It's going to be spectacular. Uh, and next up, certainly uh, not least, but definitely last, uh, Jesse Combs. Uh, again, she's just uh, an incredible human being. We're really psyched to talk to her. Um, she's doing awesome stuff. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we hope you guys uh, find this inter- interview as entertaining as we did. Hello and welcome to the Car Stories Podcast, brought to you by the Peterson Automotive Museum. My name is Kyle Hyatt. James McKeon, still MIA. Don't know where he is. I heard something about a wife's birthday. Don't believe it. We'll see. <laughs> Jury's still out on that one. But uh, we're at uh, we're here at SEMA 2016. We've been here all week. It's Friday. Everybody's looking a little, little slow. A, a lot little, of slow. Yeah, everybody's dragging pretty bad. But uh, it's been a great show, and uh, we're really happy because we have Jesse Combs here. Hey, us. Kyle. Hello. Yay. And um, if you don't know who she is, you just have to look around Seema because her face is everywhere, literally. <laughs> um, but you've probably seen her on Overhauling, All Girls Garage, um, the Coker Great Race very recently, where she drove a Persang Bugatti, uh, like 4,000 miles, which is pretty out of hand especially for that car yeah yeah um but no it's really nice to have you on the podcast thanks well, for thanks for taking the time yeah thanks for having me back yeah so as i said you know you you were on overhauling and that's kind of like one of the first things you really really did after getting out of school right because 
you went to WyoTech? I went to WyoTech and actually overhauling came in and did an episode at WyoTech. We did a 56 Bel Air where we turned a four door into a two door roadster. Oh, cool. And I guess you could say that was my first introduction to television. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I did very good at all. But <laughs> apparently the production company loved me and they asked me to come back and do another episode. So I was an AT member in the first season. And then come full circle, like, 10 years later, I ended up hosting the return season when they came back. Nice. Yeah. Very, very cool. So we actually, uh, we were lucky enough to have Chris Jacobs on yesterday. Oh, God, I love and that guy. He, yeah, he had lots of cool stuff to tell us. Uh, uh, what are some of your favorite overhauling stories? I mean, there, there, there was certainly a lot of awesome cars came out of that show. and uh... A lot of awesome cars, a lot of awesome people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's watching it as a viewer it's a it's it's an emotional thing right sure. like you we we bring out emotions from not just our builders and chip obviously yeah. but you know the people who are watching it they love the show because it's such a feel good show and there's nothing there's no words to express how good it feels to be the person that helped build that car mm -hmm. and change that person's life and that will forever be my favorite thing about working on that show is that you know we do we we bust our asses for on the return season for three weeks to finish sure. these cars and and it's it's hard and it's long and there's you know there's arguments and nothing goes right and parts are missing <laughs> and all sorts of stuff and it gets crazy behind the scenes but it's that moment of doing the reveal that it just you just completely forget about the last three weeks mm -hmm. and you can't wait to do the next one awesome awesome yeah. so what's your what's your favorite car that, that you built on the show I, you know, to be honest with you, I would have to say it was the Lotus Europa. Oh, the Lotus family truckster. All right. It is the ugliest car, I think, known to humankind. Yeah. But what Chip did with the design of it and actually adding body lines and mm -hmm. giving it a flow to the car. And, and that's a car that we actually took like over six months to build. We, oh, wow. we Because there was so much change to that car. I mean, mm -hmm. we changed every single body line. And it was rad because it was a fiberglass car, so it wasn't something that was very typical to have on the show. Sure. And there, because of the involvement with it, we changed the chassis and the engine, and we changed everything that it was a very involved build. And, you know, the body guys did such a good job. I mean, if I had to work around that fiberglass, I would have probably put a gun to my head. I could oh, yeah. Like, there's no way that I would have. I just I itch looking at it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the Lotus was a really, really cool build. There was a lot of passion and a lot of dedication into that car. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, I guess moving on, I mean, uh, another, like I said, another thing that people really are going to recognize you from is All Girls Garage. And yeah. that's been like a really, a really cool uh, thing to see kind of like go out, you know, come out and then and get really popular. Um, what's What's been your experience like with that? How has that sort of affected how people like look at you or 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 women in the industry in, yeah, period. exactly that's that's what i'm getting at thank you i think for the longest time you know i was one of the few maybe the only girls who was on television that actually had hands-on experience and so yeah. it's kind of like this unicorn and when we started all girls garage it kind of started exploding that it's not it's not just me that there's actually a lot of girls out there that have some really solid skills and talents out mm -hmm. there and people are starting to appreciate like okay maybe a woman's place is in the garage and it is okay for girls to work on cars and they actually are smart and detail oriented and they know exactly what they're doing and they take the time with it and we can I, I don't say that we can explain it better than the guys can but we explain it differently yeah and I think it's it's easier perceived by our audiences because that we just we talk 
in a very layman's way that everybody can understand. Yeah, that's what's one thing that's tough. I mean, even on something like this where we're catering to uh, nerds, basically. <laughs> um, sorry, guys. But uh, it's really hard to not like just get sucked down like the technical rabbit hole and then just make it super kind of jargony and, 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 and stuff. So, yeah, I do really appreciate that kind of... Um, clear kind of easy to understand way that you guys approach stuff it's really really cool yeah and i think it makes a huge impact for our youth and our other ladies in the industry that mm -hmm. you know somebody for the longest time like girls weren't even allowed to go in the garage they're not allowed to touch the tools that's not even it's not even ex accepted by society sure. and so by being able to do these and like when i I left the show. I'm not sure if you guys know that, but mm. I left the show and I was replaced with Rachel. Everybody's like, I can't believe you left. And, you know, it's just not the same without you. And it's like, yeah, but this is a perfect opportunity because it's not about me. Yeah. You know, there's there's more. It, it highlights other girls' skills. And then when one of those girls is ready to leave, then we'll bring in another girl. And it just highlights her skill sets. And that totally. the more girls that come through, the more it shows like any any girl can get into this industry. Yeah. Any girl can get hands on. Any girl can get dirty. And it's and it's okay. It's totally one hundred percent acceptable. Yeah, that's awesome. It's something I've noticed too at SEMA, like over the last couple of years, is that you see more and more women like in the booths, like working for the companies and and people that have built cars or or drivers and stuff. And it's it's really nice to just not have it be people like, you know, just standing around like booth, as booth, eye candy, like that's, booth babes. Yeah, yeah. But have you noticed that there are less and less there, booth babes well, every year? Yeah, there are. I mean, they're definitely. still they're still here. Yeah, specifically here in the south hall. <laughs> that's where <laughs> they all hang out. But especially yeah. downstairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it, it definitely it, it's been a nice shift to kind of get away from that that mentality. Like it's difficult to you know to try and explain to somebody like why I I personally love the, like this this automotive hobby so much and then have to like try and justify that it's not. Yeah, well, what about all and it's and it's hard for us because it kind of ruins it for the girls mm -hmm. that are legit and that are knowledgeable and that do have a passion in this industry and a lot of skill sets. So, it's it's really nice to be in a position where where I can be a role model. Yeah. You know, and sure. I think as me being a role model, it's starting to trickle into other fields and I I know I'm not the only role model by any means, but it's it's trickling down and cornered the market. You're yeah. People are catching on that, you know, it's smart is sexy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I guess changing gears a little bit, um, you recently participated in the Coker Great Race, as, as we said, driving a uh, Persang replica Type 35 Bugatti. Yes. Um, the Peterson just opened their gigantic, huge, incredible, over-the-top Bugatti, uh, Art of Bugatti exhibit. Um, if, you, if you haven't seen it, it's unbelievable I, I need to come back to the museum because i came really? in for the reopening but now i think it's time for me to come back yeah no this is so we we had our op our media opening a couple weeks ago and um, we had some of the, the, the folks from bugatti were there and they said i think that it was the best bugatti exhibition in north america ever um awesome. yeah, we've got a royale like one of six ever made we've got um the uh only the last bugatti to ever be designed with uh with the bugatti family's influence um, all kinds of stuff. And then it also celebrates not just the cars, it also celebrates the the sort of the family being kind of an arts dynasty. Mm -hmm. So the father built furniture and was a silversmith. Um, Carlo Bugatti, like the brother, was a sculptor, this incredible um, animal sculptor. So he did the rearing elephant uh, uh, hood mascot and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, we so we, you know, we, we've got all this Bugatti stuff going on. We had John Bothwell on the podcast very recently. He had some awesome stuff to say about you. I um, love John. I, that, that was such a cool experience. I mean, it's it couldn't be. I, I if if I owned a Bugatti, I could I would be like, no, you're not driving my car. Mm -hmm. Nobody's driving my car. But he is so like 
Yeah, get in it. Tear it up. Grind the gears. Go for it. He yeah. wants people to drive the cars. Yeah. He wants them to feel the experience of that that power and that thrill of the pre-war era that no other pre-war car holds. Like yeah, the, yeah. the Bugatti is like this masterpiece of that time. And I am beyond privileged to be able to have driven it, not just in the great race, but then we just kept driving it all the way to the East yeah, Coast. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. They're really modern. That's the thing that I think everybody I've talked to that drives them says is how, like how modern the car feels compared to everything else from that period. Yeah. Like the pedal layouts the same and you know, the gearbox works and stuff. It was it was such a I fell in love with that car. I call him up all the time. I'm like, hey John, can I take your car today? Yeah, <laughs> just for the day. <laughs> yeah, no, we we definitely uh, my co-host and I were we're definitely angling pretty hard. We just, I just want to exist in a pre-war Bugatti at all times. And, it is uh, it was the coolest experience. It was I, the the great race was definitely a, a, a complete unique experience for mm -hmm. me because. I'm used to going really, really fast sure. all the time. <laughs> and this is a very restricted race. You know, you can only drive a certain amount of certain speed for a certain amount of time and yeah. you have to keep it very regulated and 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 the competitors take it very seriously. Yeah. And we were in there filming an episode for the list, a thousand and one car things to do before you die and our camera crews were getting in the way and our chase car was getting in the way. And I mean, it was, it was nuts, but it was, it was so rad. I mean, the Bugatti is just, I, I felt, I felt like a rock star every time I got to get in the seat of that car, whether I started it or not, I was just, sometimes I would just sit in it, yeah. you know, just cause it's so rad. But the fact that I just got to bang through the gears every single day for over 4,000 miles was yeah. just, it's priceless. Absolutely priceless. You know, you're mm -hmm. sitting basically straddling the drivetrain. You shift on the outside of the car. It's like a coffin in there. So there's absolutely <laughs> no breathing. And when we're driving across the desert, like Utah was miserable for us. Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah. My, my co-driver, my co-host, mm -hmm. Patrick, he, he, he navigated me to an REI. <laughs> and I was like, what are we doing at REI? And he's like, I can't take this anymore and i had no idea he gave me no heads up whatsoever and he goes in and he gets like those super breathable uv shirts oh, yeah. and he had like his his attitude was a complete 180 he all of a sudden he was like okay let's go the rest of the way but he, yeah he was miserable for the first two oh. three days yeah that's got to be brutal yeah um so obviously like you know you, you've been into cars for a really long time you've been a part of the industry for 14 years now i think you said somewhere and, around there yeah yeah it's crazy uh what are some of your favorite cars like what 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 like what are you excited about the next one that i build yeah the next one that i get to be a part of sure. it's always the next one because it's you know every single one that i've built and every single one that i look at has a special something mm -hmm. you know everybody's like oh are you a ford chevy or dodge you know what's your what's your pick and i'm like i like them all because every one of them has that one thing that is superior than the other. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, it makes them all equal, you know? Yeah. Um, so I wish I could say that I have a favorite car, but I, I mean, if I could take that Bugatti, I totally would. Well, if sure. I, you know, if I could take a Lamborghini Aventador, I totally would. You know, if I could take, uh, I, I have the luxury of being able to drive a lot of cars too. And I think the performance of them changes everything, you know? And, and again, every one of them has, a special thing because obviously Aventador is nothing like the Bugatti. Oh yeah. You know, so they all bring a completely different feel and a completely different emotion. Sure. So I like them all. So it's the next one that I'm going to drive. It's the next one that I'm going to build. Okay. Well, I mean, if, if you can talk about it, what is the next one you're going to, to build maybe? 
I think I'm going to sleep for the next few months. That's a good idea. <laughs> I've been building a lot. I, I need to finish my pre-runner. Mm-hmm. So I have a 2000 Toyota Tundra that is, that's my, been my baby ever since I bought it when I graduated WyoTech. That was my gift to myself. Nice. And I've had it ever since. And um, now it's got like 235,000 miles on it and it's a fully built pre-runner. So that's oh, wow. like, that's, it's my baby, right? But I ride my motorcycles more than anything. Um, you know, I, I living in California and, and especially in LA, mm-hmm. um, and coming from a very rural area in the Midwest of South Dakota, uh, the the fact of the matter that I can actually split lanes in California is a saving grace to me. So oh, yeah. my motorcycles are the are like my sanity. They, no, that they, makes sense. Yeah, they they keep me from going crazy living there. But. Um, I never know what the next build is going to be because opportunities are presenting themselves continuously. Mm-hmm. Um, like for this show, we have we built a BMW R9T. It's right downstairs. Almost. I, I saw it. That's actually it's incredible. Thank you very much. And we didn't know that opportunity was going to come to us. Nonetheless, was it going to be at SEMA? Because we originally had a reveal date at a completely different event. Mm-hmm. And it fell through. And then we got another reveal date and it fell through. And we got another reveal date and it fell through. So we just decided we're like, we're going to take it to SEMA. And it has been such a positive response. But it, like, we didn't know we were going to be building this, this BMW nonetheless for SEMA. So it's, I never know. I yeah. just, I keep my, I keep my options open. And when an opportunity presents itself, I take it. And I think that's wonderful advice for really anybody in this industry especially the newbies is is be open because you know i went to wyotech thinking that i was going to be a custom painter Mm -hmm. and i came out a metal fabricator got a job as a television host became a brand representative and now i'm a professional driver so you know the fact is is like if you remain open there's so many different avenues in our industry that you can actually go down and one set of skill sets can take you so far. I mean, I, I, I owe everything to the fact that I can weld and shape metal and fix cars. Mm-hmm. Because now people trust me with, say, their Baja cars, and they're like, yeah, I'll send you out in the middle of the desert with my car because I know if it breaks, you can fix it. And now that I can drive them, they're like, and you, I trust you that you can drive it, and you won't even wreck it, and probably nothing will happen. Yeah. You know, so it's pretty amazing just the simple fact of going to school, getting a degree in custom automotive fabrication, how far that can really take me or anybody who, who really just like allows themselves to go with the flow. Definitely. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I was sort of curious about, I mean, obviously as a, as a metal fabricator, somebody that, that bends and shapes like that, everyone always talks about that being kind of a dying art. Like a lot of people are not, you know, not really learning those skills anymore, but you know, I see people all the time, like, um, a uh, good friend of the podcast is uh, Rod Emery, who uh, he was on Overholland, built the, the Porsche 356. Yeah. Um, you know, like that guy's young, but, but he's one of the best metal fabricators I think I've seen. It's, 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 Have you seen what the guys at the, is it pronounced Bailey booth is doing? Oh, I think so. Yeah. They built a, an entire shell of a Daytona coupe mm-hmm. this in the last three. They did it in three days. Yeah. So they already had the buck and then they built the entire car in three days. They finished it last night and it's, there's, there is few and far between metal fabricators out there and especially good metal fabricators. Yeah. But it's those guys that because it's kind of coming back, I feel like I feel like it's kind of the cool thing to do now mm-hmm. is that a lot of people are taking the classes and they're learning the true skills of what it takes to metal shape. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you mentioned riding motorcycles in L.A., which is it's something that. Like I, I've never really had never really been a bike guy, 
you know, I grew up around cars, grew up around like European cars. And I moved to LA from, from the Northwest and like, I'm never going to ride a motorcycle. It seems so dangerous. And then like, I've been here four years and now I'm like, okay, I I just got to do it. I can't deal with like (laughs) traffic. (laughs) I just can't even anymore. (laughs) Like it's just, I see people like just kind of casually having a great time going between cars as I'm like parked on a freeway. And it's like, yeah just just jealousy yeah like what what uh what are some of your your, your favorite motorcycles to ride in, in the city because la is such a, a a diverse area in terms of like terrain and, and types of roads and types of drivers even like that really vary from neighborhood to neighborhood and stuff what right do you, what do you like to ride well my city bike is my 2012 triumph bonneville nice and it, we've rebuilt it so it's got hyper compression cams and pistons so it's pushing like 90 horsepower oh, wow. and i put knobby tires on it and everybody's like why do you need knobby tires for the city i'm like so i can go over curbs i can go around people i feel like i have extra grip when i need to dodge and weave and it's a very nimble bike yeah very nimble bike and it's you know, it's something that's affordable, whereas if I had, like, a Ducati, for example, mm-hmm. I would feel so nervous that I would wreck the bike. Oh, yeah. Where my Bonneville is at, like, that perfect price point. It's been fully customized by me. Like, I love it, mm-hmm. and, and it's light, it's nimble, it's fast. It's got so much pickup that I can get around or I can, you know, the brakes are good. Like, my, my Triumph Bonneville is my baby in the city, for sure. Nice. What you do know? you think of the new Bonnevilles, the water-cooled ones? They are amazing. Cool. I've thought about not getting rid of mine but i've thought about like stepping up sure yeah sure. they are unreal i think everybody needs to go and test drive one yeah no i've, I've been looking at them a lot it's like i'm still trying to decide between new bonnie or the r9t and um Ooh. leaning pretty heavily towards the bmw just because it's i'm always been obsessed with like boxer twins yeah so. and those engines are so torquey fun mm-hmm. i mean it's, like it's when, when you crack the throttle and the engine just kind of leans the whole bike over yeah it's yeah. a different riding experience for sure like when i first rode that r9t when we picked it up from the dealership mm-hmm. i was like what the <laughs> i thought i was like oh my god i don't like downshifting i don't like any of this and but granted i only rode it for five ten minutes and then we completely tore it down yeah. you know so <laughs> i haven't had much time to ride it and then of course i finished it saturday morning at 6 a.m right before on my way here <laughs> You know, but it's like any um, good SEMA build, any good SEMA build. I didn't sleep at all on Friday and hopped in the van and went straight to Las Vegas and and went right into rehearsals for the SEMA banquet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, but the the, yeah, it's two totally different riding styles for sure. But you thought that torque, you can do wheelies all day on that R90. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what life is all about. Yeah. Wheelies. Sure. (laughs) Um, so uh, what are some of the, the, the most interesting cars you've seen here at the show? I mean, every year SEMA seems to get bigger and crazier. The builds, I mean, the trucks get taller, the cars get lower, like everything. Like, what, what's really kind of blown your mind here? You know, I, I, I will admit that when I'm here at the show, I kind of have to keep my head down and charge. Sure. And I don't get a lot of time to actually like stop and look at the cars mm-hmm. because, um I get stopped every single where I go and I have such a tight schedule that I I need to, I, and I feel bad because if I could say hi and high five everybody and take a picture with everybody, I totally would. It just doesn't work that way for me. That doesn't really scale with a couple hundred thousand people. Right. But I will say that, um, I was lucky enough to judge the launch pad. Are you guys familiar with the launch pad? So it's kind of like shark tank, you know, where there's competitors that come in and then we have judges and (laughs) they, they pitch their, they pitch their products. 
they're new products that they're innovating. And um, there's a company that's called Any Level Lift. They ended up winning. But, okay. of course, I had a little sneak peek because I was a judge for it. And I was like, oh, these guys are going to do really good. And Any Level Lift is kind of mind-blowing. Like, everybody's just like, what is this? It gives your truck 13, 16 inches of lift. Oh, wow. But it also goes back down to stock ride height. And it doesn't. When it's up, it doesn't change your steering angles. It doesn't change but your pinion angle. Or it changes them to a point where it's perfect for that height. Yeah. And it'll change it. You can ride halfway down. You can ride it three quarters down, up, whatever. You can ride it at whatever height you want. But for you to be able to ride at, at ride height, at your mm -hmm. stock ride height, and still be able to tow and do whatever with your truck, but then you can go to the shows for the weekend, or you need to jack it up for some. I don't know. You need to drive over or something. Who yeah, knows? Sure. Who knows? You have the ability to do that, and That's so crazy. that that is very innovative. And and the guys there are really amazing. It was it was such a pleasure to meet them. But man, I mean, you know, a couple of years ago it was kind of like everything was matte finished or everything mm -hmm. was wrapped, and there's so much diversity that I've seen. It's it's a mixture of everything. It's not like I see one craze running through the show this year, which I yeah. think is really fantastic because yeah, it's it's, nice. it's not being it's not the like the industry isn't on a trend right now. It's like people are doing their own thing and they're actually mm -hmm. stepping out of the norm, and I think that's really really great. But um, I think the the ballet booth is probably the favorite thing that I've seen, and maybe because I'm just so hands on. I love oh, seeing sure. people actually like teach and learn and show other people how to do it and create something from nothing. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, I obviously, as, as you said, you have a crazy busy schedule while you're here at SEMA. Um, I just want to thank you again so much for taking the time to come way, way out to like the middle of nowhere, Upper <laughs> South Hall, and hang out with us in a Winnebago. It's it's really been great. This is the best podcast location, I think, ever. I think, I'm, yeah, I think all podcasts should be recorded in 1,000 horsepower Winnebago's. You know, so a little known secret is that I've always wanted a bus. I've been searching for a vintage bus for probably like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I finally found one. Oh, nice. And so I just bought a 1957 GM Detroit diesel pusher, and I am so excited about it wow. and just sitting in this Winnebago is like giving me all sorts of inspiration on yeah. what I can do on the inside that's one thing that we've been having like people have been coming by like just RV enthusiasts which I didn't think would be a thing at SEMA mm -hmm. but they're coming in they're taking photos they're telling us about all their builds we've had um, a couple of guys from Japan who like came over like they, 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 they like didn't speak a lot of English, but they're so excited about the Brave. And, like, they're showing pictures, like, this. I have the same car, or I have the same Winnebago, like, back in Japan. And I'm going to do all this stuff. Like, no way. Yeah, no, it's this whole huge community that I, I honestly, I had no, no idea. And it's it's been really exciting to see people's reactions to this. Because, you know, like, it's not every day you get offered uh, a, a glimpse inside Mike and Jim Ring's heads. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, uh, And it's like, it's, like, a little bit more, it seems a more personal space than what they normally produce so yeah. it's really cool in here yeah. yeah no definitely i mean they built it for themselves i think their their initial design sort of uh, a brief was to have a place to drink beer <laughs> um, get away from the crowds and drink yeah, beer yeah. yeah so i think i think they acquitted themselves kind <laughs> hence, of admirably hence the bar are yeah. there taps behind there Do I there are it? not there's two bars though there's one that hangs off the back with next to the grill oh we've no way a, yeah we've got a pizza oven and a popcorn maker and a fake fireplace and this is so rad and then a thousand horsepower blown ls3 and so. i can only imagine how many rad people there's signatures everywhere oh, and I, yeah. I can only imagine the history that's really inside this bus yeah definitely yeah. well thank you so much again jesse for coming to the podcast it's great to have have you we can't wait to get you to the museum check out uh, all the great bugattis and and uh, all the new stuff in the vault stuff 
it's changing all the time. How long is that um, exhibit there for? For a year. Oh, so I it's so, not like your typical three or four month no, no, no. Yes. The clock is ticking though, so you know. <laughs> so make it before the end of the year. <laughs> Copy. Got yeah. it. Got it. Cool. Yeah, so, well, if anybody wants to find out any more, anything more about me, you can go to jessiecombs.com, J-E-S-S-I-C-O-M-B-S.com. From there, you can find my Instagram and my Twitters and my Facebook and all the social media stuff. And mm -hmm. you can read way more about my history in the in-depth because we've only scratched the surface oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. <laughs> this isn't hardcore history. We don't have three hours. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot going on. Cool. Well, thank you so much again, Jesse. Really appreciate it. And thank you guys for uh, taking the time to tune into another Car Stories with just me, because James is just so wildly irresponsible right now. Can't even <laughs> deal with it. No, he's he's great. But uh, uh, if you guys need to find us on the internet, it's really, really easy. It's peterson.org. That is Peterson with two E's, just in case you know you weren't aware already. I don't know how that would be the case, but... <laughs> you know, uh, and then also uh, on uh, Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Peterson Museum. Uh, Instagram is Peterson Museum. And then, you know, because we like to make things a challenge, it's Twitter is a little bit different. It's Peterson underscore museum. Oh, yeah. that underscore tricky. It, yeah. Yeah. We, we like to throw a curveball, you know. So <laughs> anyway, thank you guys again. And uh, uh, stay tuned for lots more amazing interviews with uh, some of the coolest automotive personalities in the business. Right on. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you. Well, here we are, several hours later. You're tired. You're hungry. You're probably sleepy. You may already be asleep. But uh, we're at the end of our SEMA specials. And that means the end of spending time in this wonderful Winnebago. The Winnebago. It's, uh, not everybody gets to spend a week in a Winnebago. Especially one with a thousand horsepower and a mm -hmm. tiki bar. Uh, so we, we count ourselves as being quite fortunate uh, for that. We uh, we didn't get to do any burnouts in the middle of SEMA. They they took the keys from us. Next year. So close. Next year we're going to use a spare key. That's right. We're going to have gonna... one made before I hand it over. It's exactly right. You know, like they do on Mission Impossible. They have the clay and they... it's going to happen. Don't worry Easy. about that. Easy. I've already figured it out. I've been speaking to Tom about it. Thank you. Thank you for taking care of that. You're the man. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll have another SEMA special for you. Uh, after the next SEMA, duh. Uh, but until then, we will continue bringing you awesome automotive interviews every single week. Sometimes we'll have weird special extra episodes. Who so, can say? Sometimes we won't. Yeah. Most of the time, we probably won't because it takes a long time to, to, to do all this stuff. But every episode we make is special, though, Kyle. That's true. Like, kind of like uh, everybody gets a trophy. No. No? No. Second place, first losers. All right. I respect that. I respect that. But uh, anyway, guys, thank you again for tuning in to this uh, second long SEMA special. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, definitely check us out uh, next Tuesday when we'll have an interview with another person. So uh, until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>